Hello and welcome and happy 2018. Thank you so much for joining us here at Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. I'm Nolan and beside me is Ben and we thank you so much for joining us as we talk about our passions for the past while being young at heart. So Ben, how's 2018 treating you so far? <laughs> well, there hasn't you know, been too much time for anything to go wrong, but it's been pretty good so far. <laughs> another year older, uh, another year wiser. Well, I guess that's uh, for birthdays, but anyway, <laughs> I guess uh, it, it still counts. It still applies, I guess. We're glad to be back. Thanks so much for <laughs> thanks so much for joining us and um, continuing us down, continuing down these roads um, of uh, retro pop culture that we love to talk about and bring to you guys. So, as it is another month down and another month. Starting, we're going to do this month in history for January. Um, uh, I think we're just ready to jump right in. Um, a lot of it has to deal with uh, Nixon that oft- often comes up in our uh, discussions <laughs> of this month in history. Somehow he always has a hand in it. And then a bunch of birthdays coming your way as well of some pretty prominent f- prominent figures throughout history as well as uh, the United States. So I guess I'll just kick it off because uh, this one's new and easy so happy new year's um new year's day the first of january of every single year is actually the most celebrated holiday around the entire world yeah you know i read that it says the most celebrated holiday around the world and you know i'm like oh that's cool and then i thought about it i'm like wait a second that it's pretty obvious you know (laughs) it's not really something (laughs) that you should have to think about because every everyone experiences a new year (laughs) yeah yeah and and it's really something that's not unique to certain religions or anything like that. I mean, there's certain parts of the world that have their new year. Their years are, their traditional years are on a different cycle. But for the most part, there's, you know, everyone's really on the same calendar. <laughs> yep. All right, man. <laughs> Take it away. What do we got? All right. Moving on. January 1st of 1776. During the American Revolution, George Washington unveiled the Grand Union flag, which was, of course, the first national flag in America. That's pretty awesome. And we didn't put it in our show notes, but I remember reading about it because I thought it would be a, a cool tag along uh, with this. But actually, Betsy Ross was born in January as well, who actually hand-stitched the first uh, you know, continental flag of mm-hmm. uh, the U.S., and she was born in January as well. <laughs> yeah, that, that is pretty cool. It's nice that it that coincides. All right. See, I mean, it's pretty much like the good thing is I noticed about January is that there's not a lot of facts that we're going to talk about that we're going to go on tangents about. They're usually <laughs> just one, one-liners, so uh, it should be a pretty nice and easy show. Uh, January 1st, <laughs> 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation by President Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves um, in the states rebelling against the Union. A- anything to add on that, <laughs> that one, big guy? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Boy, that was kind of, that was kind of awkward. Um, <laughs> no, I really don't have anything to add on that one. Um, it's interesting okay. and fantastic, but nope. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, didn't we just talking about how you know we're not going to get sidetracked on these ones? So, <laughs> well, we're getting <laughs> sidetracked because we're dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's true. Okay, January first, nineteen forty-two. Twenty-six countries signed the Declaration of the United Nations in Washington D.C. Um, reaffirming their opposition to the Axis powers and confirming that no single nation would make separate peace. 
I think this is actually really cool, especially kind of the <coughs> fruition of what the United Nations were started right after World War One, And this is where you actually kind of see it really band together against a common enemy. Mm-hmm. And you know, leading up to that, it was kind of more of a an allies kind of kind of thing to where you know there's there might be a common enemy but it was more of countries just being like hey you know you're against that person we're against this person let's team up you know and <laughs> yeah, it wasn't yeah. necessarily a, a an organized um an organized deal where you know if if one person's in trouble everyone's in trouble that's um it's not really how it was up until january 1st 1942 yeah, it's it's pretty cool um, having so many nations on the same page about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so moving a day forward, January 2nd, 1960, um, over in Washington, D.C., Senator John F. Kennedy announced his intention to seek the Democratic presidential nomination. And I know we've talked about this a lot in other shows, but I think this time period was so crucial because the whole influence of uh, television and mm-hmm. really just how politicians presented themselves to the public played a major role in, uh, you know, like the John F. Kennedy presidency and, and how he, he got to be the youngest uh, president to date. Right. And, you know, it was this it was that election that was really the first uh, televised election with the, the televised debates. And that's where the, the for the first time the country could really, you know, could really see you know, who they could potentially be voting for rather than just looking at pictures in newspapers and that sort of thing and reading about them. You was really able to see how they, they conducted themselves, um, in a, uh, a pretty stressful time. I mean, that would be pretty stressful being, you know, in front of an audience and being televised and they got to see how they could, their body language, how they handled themselves in that situation. Exactly. Hence Richard Nixon, uh, comes along. All right, January 3rd, 1924, British Egyptologist Howard Carter found the sarcophagus of Tutankhamun in the Valley of the Kings near Luxor um, after several years of searching. And that's pretty sweet. I know we've kind of talked about we have uh, King Tut in, in the past, I think it was a couple months ago in this month in history. Uh, but, I mean, it was such a monumental find because, for one, he was like the most powerful and richest pharaoh that ever mm-hmm. was and it and it seemed impossible to be even to even find his tomb mm-hmm. and then well, uh, another interesting part of it was too is that how um how pristine it was as well i think it was one of the few that wasn't just totally ransacked mm-hmm. um by grave robbers whether it was you know ancient grave robbers or relatively um modern um and I, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure even the seal to the actual tomb was was still intact when they opened it. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think you're right. It's super cool, super cool. Mm-hmm. There's actually a lot of awesome stuff that happens in January. Uh, January third, 1959, Alaska was admitted as the 49th U.S. state with a landmass almost one fifth the size of the lower 48 states altogether. That's a big chunk of land. Welcome, Alaska. <laughs> it's so weird to think. I mean, Alaska has not been a state for very long at all. Oh no, not 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 even you know half of the um, lifespan of the country, and it, it's just odd that you know it's so incredibly young, but it's 
you know, also gigantic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you have to take, like, just hopper planes to get to the nearest town sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's uh, that's not only just because of the sheer mass of, of the state, excuse me, I almost said country, um, <laughs> that's because so many of the little pieces are, you know, are separated by water. There's so many islands that make up Alaska as well that, I mean, they're, they're spread out over a huge portion of, uh, of land as well. Well, not really land, True. but area, I suppose. <clears throat> True. Uh, January 3rd, 1961, President Dwight D. Eisenhower broke off diplomatic relations with Cuba two years after communist dictator Fidel Castro had seized power and just weeks before John F. Kennedy was inaugurated as the next president. Jeez, talk about like a dirty plate putting it on the table for JFK coming in. Oh, yeah, you know, I was just about to say something like that. How It's like, okay, welcome to the office. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, was, it would be kind of a crappy situation either way, no matter, you know, what Eisenhower did. It, it would be kind of handing off a very crappy situation. Yeah, um, I mean, that's the thing. We were heading down that road. It, it would have happened sooner or later. It doesn't matter who was president at the time. <laughs> yeah, but that is, you know, that's kind of a daunting uh, thing to have happen just weeks before you actually take over uh, the presidency. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. It's it's like all the diplomatic or um like uh uh dang it what are they um the president signs it, um the orders, the I'm drawing a blank too, so I can't really help you on crap. that. Crap. Anyway, <laughs> just like okay, we're gonna move on. January fourth, nineteen seventy four, uh President Richard Nixon rejected subpoenas from the Senate Watergate Committee seeking audio tapes and related documents <laughs> yeah. so he just he was just like no i'm not going to give you any of this evidence <laughs> you know i mean you know i, I understand you know, what am i trying to say you know not even if you're 100 percent innocent just you know not wanting to submit to uh, an investigation or something like that you know just not wanting to be involved at all is is one thing but if you're in that kind of trouble and that kind of uh, national spotlight. I mean, I just you feel like you can't just say nope, not gonna do it. Uh, you you would want to make yourself look as nice as possible, or at least like complying, because then it just it's like you have nothing to hide. <laughs> if you just yeah, because you look just as dirty and slimy if you're like, oh no, I'm not gonna give you that. Because <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much in that sort of situation, it's basically an admission of guilt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's like pleading a no contest, but just not giving any information. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you, you got me stuck on the dirty and slimy. Oh, well, I mean, is there any other way to describe <laughs> Richard Nixon? No, just look at his hair. <laughs> oh, January 4th, 1809. We have another, we have a birthday. Uh, Louis Braille was born in France. Um, he was blinded as a young child. Um, and then he would go on to invent a reading system specifically for the blind using uh, punch marks on paper that would be felt uh, with the hand. Isn't that so cool? I mean, I'm telling you, there's a lot of cool birthdays in this month. Yeah, it, there's there's a lot of cool ones, but so many of them are not just standard people like celebrities or politicians or something like that. I mean, you know, there's Braille who 
you know, obviously extremely important, but you just don't think about mm-hmm. him or his birthday or anything like that. You know, it's yeah. it's still interesting when you hear it, but it's not something that would come to mind, and that's that's kind of what I like uh, talking about. I agree. <clears throat> I mean, January fourth, nobody would have known. Maybe we should make a like a national holiday about that because a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people that that uh, that's true. That that's true. You, I mean, you see it everywhere. Get helped by that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, January 5th, 1919, the German Workers' Party uh, was founded by Anton Drexler in Munich. Adolf Hitler became member number seven and changed the name later in April of 1920 to the National Socialist German Workers' Party um, to be shortened to the commonly known Nazi Party. You know, I noticed you skipped over the uh, German pronunciation there. (laughs) I did that on purpose. (laughs) Oh, I totally would have too. That holy cow! I, I, I'm not even gonna try to struggle through that, just like you didn't. Oh. <laughs> anyway, January fifth, the beginning of something absolutely terrible. Oh, for sure. January sixth, uh, 1941, President Franklin Roosevelt delivered his State of the Union address to Congress, asking for support uh, for the Lend-Lease program, aiding allies uh, fighting the Axis powers. Um, Roosevelt also defined four essential freedoms worth defending freedom of speech freedom of worship worship freedom uh, freedom from want and freedom from fear and that was pretty much that he was used basically as his argument you know in support for this lend lease program mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah and it's always interesting how you know fdr was kind of advocating for the war effort but we didn't get involved until six months later mm-hmm well, I mean, something like that, you know, it's not just about, you know, like the the president or the powers to be that, you know, know that, you know, need to go to war and put a stop to this. But it's also you got to think about, you know, public support. I mean, if there's not going to be any support I mean, it's just going to be it's not going to be worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and so it's one of those things, where, you know, it could bite you either way. You know, if you jump in and then there's no support, well, it's not good. Well, if you you wait too long, then, you know, you're just opening yourself up for, um, you know, bad things to happen. Definitely. And, and like, looking further down the line, if we ever did, which we did get involved, um, sending that support early on would allow them to, like, strengthen our allied forces because they would support us in ways that we would ask mm-hmm. them to or something like that. Right, right. January 7th, 1714, a patent was issued. This is awesome. A a patent was issued for the first typewriter designed by British inventor Henry Mill. Quote, for the impressing or transcribing of letters singly or progressively one after another as in writing. End quote. I mean, that's pretty sweet how they (laughs) patent the design of the typewriter. And the patent just literally, literally says what the typewriter does. I know, and it's funny. It, it's funny. I mean, it's just to read that. It's I don't know how I would define it now if I were just going to sit down and write out um, the the definition or the the description of it. But it just seems like that it's it, that old kind of writing style. Um, it seems kind of clunky and antiquated. It's it's just funny to funny to look at. You know, something that as technical technologically advanced as the typewriter was. Um, you know, have that that 1700s writing style. I don't know. It just kind of cracked me up. Do you think that uh, that patent was written on a typewriter? 
<laughs> well, probably not if it was just the patent. You know, that's not oh, exactly yeah, the, that's true. Not exactly widespread. Seventeen um, fourteen. <laughs> holy cow, that was really early. I wouldn't have guessed that typewriter was patented that early. That's true. It, I mean, yeah, well, we're kind of getting off tangent, but uh, like, the, <laughs> I feel like the typewriter wasn't even really widespread until the twentieth century. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it probably has to follow um, industry. You know, it had to. There had to be a need there to get in order to have the typewriter. There needed to be a need for the typewriter, and there wasn't. There probably wasn't the the huge industry that was there to, to support. I'm sure they were extremely expensive, so you had to have mm-hmm. already an, a well established, you know, business. Because that's, I would assume, that's kind of where it started off mostly is business correspondence and writing out anything, you know files and that sort of thing yeah yeah true. Um, and so probably it just had to follow the money you know if there was a need in the the funds there that's when you know you got a typewriter but you know it's, i'm sure it's one of those things where people were thinking well this is how we've been doing it for hundreds of years so there's no you know no hurry to change <laughs> <laughs> all right uh january 8th 1982 the American Telephone and Telegraph Company, or AT&T, was broken up as a result of an antitrust suit. AT&T, AT&T excuse me, gave up 22 local Bell system companies, opening the U.S. telephone system to competition. Capitalism. And, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, 1982. And, you know, that's really kind of the beginning where we start seeing a lot of... Uh, the, the prevalence of mobile phones. Well, I, I shouldn't say prevalence, uh-huh. really. Um, but that's where you really start, you know, seeing it start to take off. There are phones in cars, yeah. uh, you know, the big brick phones. I don't I don't know exactly what year those came out. But, uh, it, you know, it's all around the same time. And that's when this uh, competition really started opening up. And that's, that's really what drives the industry forward. Yep. Yeah. And then even, like, you know, some some uh, emergence of the internet and like computer systems as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because so, that's January you know, that, 8th. That all based off, uh, you know, uh, telephone lines for the most part early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. January 8th, 1935, uh, Elvis Presley was born in Tupelo, Mississippi. <laughs> so that's pretty neat. <laughs> I mean, Elvis Tupelo, was so Tupelo, awesome. Tupelo, Mississippi? Tupelo, sorry. Tupelo. I, I put, uh, <laughs> gosh Too much dang it. Emphesis? <laughs> <laughs> put the emphesis in the wrong place? I'm doing terrible tonight. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, we'll just move on from that. January 9th, 1913, another birthday. And, of course, we're back to Richard Nixon, the 37th president of the United States. Hooray. <laughs> Let's just glide. (laughs) We'll just glide over that. Pretend that didn't even happen. January tenth, nineteen. Excuse me. January tenth, seventeen seventy six. Common Sense, a fifty-page pamphlet by Thomas Paine, was published. It sold over five hundred thousand copies throughout North America and Europe, influencing, among others, the authors of the Declaration of Independence. I have that around uh, around the house somewhere, and I think I, I I have read it. It's been forever ago no way that's Um, awesome yeah i do have it fun fact i do have that (laughs) book (laughs) that's that's pretty cool (laughs) 
January 10th, 1878, an amendment granting women the right to vote was introduced in Congress by Senator A.A. A. Sargent of California. The amendment didn't pass until 1920, almost 42 years later. Jeez. Man. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like... It's interesting to know that people were advocating for this kind of thing 42 years before it actually happened. Oh, yeah. And that, I mean, that seems like that's pretty much the common trend. I mean, the, the civil rights, um, the civil rights stuff, you know, in the 60s, I mean, people were working towards it for years and years. And that just seems like that's just how that kind of thing goes. It's, you know, it, it always takes an excruciating long time to actually uh, get something like that rolling. Yeah, like the progressive kind of thinking um, takes a mm-hmm. little while to to actually implement itself. Right. Uh, January 11th, 1964, the U.S. Surgeon General declared cigarettes may be, in fact, hazardous to your health, um, which was really the first such official government report. Um <laughs> Leading up, <laughs> this is something not necessarily on the show that we've we've joked about probably in the past before. Um, you know, you, you look at any of the old movies or anything like that. There is always someone, at least one person, smoking a pipe, cigar, cigarette, anything like that. And any of the rooms that you see in old TV shows and movies, it's just hazy and smoky. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just. <laughs> It's almost ludicrous how much people um, smoked. Um, and I'm sure, of course, it was. It might have been exaggerated a little bit in the movies and stuff, but it couldn't have been by much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just so much of a social. It was a social aspect to things. It was the coolness of it, the calmness of it. It was, yeah. it was just everything about it. And then it's interesting, too, how like cigarettes came out like this, but then, you know, like they didn't have a really warning about alcohol or anything like that. But mm-hmm. granted, for. How many years was prohibition going on? So yeah. not not like alcohol was very prominent in the government's eyes anyway. Um, right. And it's kind of funny in, too. In terms of health. Right. And it, it's kind of funny that Nat King Cole, you know, that was one of his big things. He smoked like five, intentionally smoked five packs a day to keep his voice the way it was. Because he liked the way it made his voice kind of smooth and, and, and he liked the way it sounded. And... <laughs> you know, that's that's you know, he ended up dying of cancer. Oh, well, I mean, Nat King uh, Cole is also super cool anyway. But I oh, didn't know I one hundred percent agree. But yeah, that's <laughs> I never knew that. In, intentionally smoked five packs a day. Wow, um, just for that effect. Jeez, which is pretty nuts to think about. <laughs> that is nuts. Uh. <laughs> January twelfth. Really funny, but <laughs> well, no, it's it's not. But. Uh. Thing. And January 12th, 1737, another famous birthday, American statesman and patriot John Hancock was born in Braintree, Massachusetts. He was elected president of the Second Continental Congress in 1775 and was the first signer of the Declaration of Independence and went on to become one of the most um, become the first elected governor of Massachusetts. So and that's that's and that's pretty cool it's the uh you know john hancock is really 
he's really one of the most well-known. I mean, everyone, you know, the whole, oh, let me get your John Hancock or anything like yep. that. Yeah, you know, yeah. And like kinda, he, signed, he signed big enough so the king didn't have to write, wear his spectacles to, uh, <laughs> right, right. to read his name. Yeah, I mean, of course there was, everyone on there was, you know, extreme, of extreme importance for the time period. But it just seems like John Hancock, he is here, he's here, his name most often. Yep. <clears throat> January 14th, 1741, we have another birthday. Benedict Arnold was born in Norwich, Connecticut. He was the American Revolutionary War hero, hero who turned traitor, sending information to the British in exchange for money. Um, after obtaining command of West Point in 1780, he conspired to turn over uh, the garrison to the British. Um, his Plans were ultimately discovered, and he ended up fleeing back to Britain, uh, British headquarters in New York. Um, and after the war, he ended up living in England. Benedict, so. Benedict Arnold is such an interesting character to me. Um, a lot of my take on it, I don't know if you've ever checked it out, but I watched this show called Turn on AMC. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they, they ended, the, ended the show, but they actually kind of toyed around with you know the battle between benedict arnold and the american revolutionary war Mm -hmm. and it it was a very good story i think they did it very well with like the internal conflict that he had um i I can't talk about it too much because it'll it'll ruin the story of 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 the show (laughs) but check out turn america's first spy ring it's actually kind of it's it's really interesting because it's talking about the culper ring Mm-hmm. And about how they, you know, they infiltrated the British troops, um, and, and kind of like this, this cabbage farmer was looked to by the revolution to get information back and forth from like New York City and Philadelphia and Connecticut um, about like troop mu- movements and things like that. So it's it's super cool. It is pretty cool. I have to look into that. Anything? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely check, um, it, check it out. January 15th, 1929, uh, Martin Luther King was born in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, He was an African-American civil rights leader, um, and he spoke eloquently and stressed nonviolent methods to achieve equality. He received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. Uh, He was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee on April 4th, 1968. Um, and then in 1983, the third Monday in January was designated a legal holiday in the unit in the U.S. Excuse me, to celebrate his birthday. And Martin Luther Martin Luther King Jr. Um, was he was pretty. His whole life was pretty interesting. Um, he was it was a lot different than a lot of the other civil rights leaders who. It seemed like there was kind of a a common notion, you know, to, to kind of fight back and, you know, not necessarily follow the uh, nonviolent ideas of uh, of the movement, and that's it, it's it's that's one thing he really really stressed. Um, you know, it was kind of one of those things where you, you want to push back, but you can't stoop to their level. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And that's, and that's kind of. I mean, that's one of the things he's obviously known for, and you know, that's why why he has such a major place in history. Yeah, I agree, and and I just feel like he was just a genuine guy. I mean, 
mm-hmm. everything from books to um, you know personal memories like that people write about. It's just every interaction that people had with him was always a positive one. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so a short little one-liner, January 17th, 1773. <laughs> the ship Resolution, sailing under Captain James Cook, became the first vessel to cross the Antarctic Circle. So that's, that's pretty cool. And now if, if, my, <laughs> if my memory serves me right, in National Treasure... That's the <laughs> ship that they find, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, because uh, I, I can't say I remember that. I don't know. I'm not saying you're wrong at all. It's just been forever since I've seen that movie, so I can't really <laughs> call you out on it if you were wrong. <laughs> Nicholas Nicholas Cage is a great actor. He that was one of his best movies. It was really good. <laughs> uh, okay. Seventeen oh six. Benjamin Franklin was born in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, He was considered the elder statesman of the American Revolution um, as he displayed multiple talents as a printer, author, publisher, philosopher, scientist, diplomat, and philanthropist. Uh, He signed both the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, he is another guy that there is so much stuff about him that you don't learn about in school. I mean, there's so much. You just don't have time to sit down and learn about all the things Ben Franklin did. Um, You know, he was extremely uh, brilliant inventor. Um, You know, aside from just all of the the founding of the United States stuff, just his, you know, his personal life, what he did in there, there's there's so much to cover if one was, you know, to, to, to study him. Definitely. Definitely, and, and I, I just love it talking about like the silence do good letters. Oh, <laughs> I just love it. It's so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> January nineteenth, eighteen oh nine. We have another birthday. Edgar Allan Poe was born, poet and writer of mystery and suspense tales, and uh, he was also born in Boston, Massachusetts. His works include the Fall of the House of Usher, um, the Tales of the Grotesque, and um, Arabesque, I think I uh, said that right. The murders in the yep. Rue Morgue and his famous poem, "The Raven." Edgar Allan Poe. I, you know, I, I, I don't really, um, I don't really read too much of his work. I just kind of find it hard to to work through and enjoy reading. But I really do enjoy listening to people, um, read his stories, almost like they're telling telling a story you know mm-hmm. in it if it's a a produced piece um it, it, there some of them are you know if it's done correctly it, they're actually fairly uh creepy to listen to you know <laughs> and it's i it, it's 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 interesting it's it's uh it's very entertaining yeah he's very much a prominent figure in literature i mean anytime oh, yeah. i'm sure if you hear the name you know who edgar Allan poe is and like his his type of poetry Oh, of course. So, in January twentieth, eighteen or eighteen, nineteen eighty-one, Ronald Reagan became the first. Beca- My goodness, he I'm became the first over. president January- of the United States. <laughs> That's what I almost said. January twentieth, nineteen eighty-one, Ronald Reagan became president of the United States at, at the age of sixty-nine. Uh, at the time, the oldest president to take office. 
During his inauguration celebrations, he announced that 52 American hostages that had been seized in the U.S. Embassy in Tehran, Iran, uh, were being released after 444 days in captivity. Fantastic. Yeah, and it, it's phenomenal. interesting that it's, you know, directly um, at the time of his inauguration that these hostages, hostages, hostages my goodness, um, were released. Yeah, I mean, talks had to have been going on for a while. I wonder if it, mm-hmm. like things just kind of lined up in the fact that he delivered the good news after, after, uh, after, after the fact of everything happening. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the exact timing, um, but you know, it, it also could be you know the, a new president coming in. You know, the the the, the people responsible. You you know who knows? You know if they're getting away with something during a current presidency you know who knows you know a new president coming in um who knows how they're going to handle the situation and maybe they're going to go after him harder maybe not that i mean that would on the captors part that would be quite a gamble to you know to have to take yeah yeah all right so moving forward january 21st 1976 this one is actually really cool too so Mm -hmm. the concord supersonic jet began passenger service with flights from London to by um, Bahrain and Paris to Rio de Janeiro, cruising at twice the speed of sound, um, also known as Mach 2, at an altitude, altitude up to 60,000 feet. Jeez Louise. Supersonic jet with passenger service. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that just kind of changes the game on travel you know especially for the time period in 1976 i mean that's that that's cutting a lot of time off of uh you know travel around the earth and especially being yeah but did something happen where it's like uh yeah i i i don't know i guess i'm not familiar with that yeah something happened when it came to like the airline was only around for maybe a year and then it a crash happened or like disintegrated in the air. Something was unsafe about it and they stopped and they just never came back. Huh. You know, I, I guess I don't really know. Well, I can see definitely how, um, supersonic passenger flight, you know, has the margin for error has just got to be astronomical. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, but, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I didn't realize that the more, you know, the more, you know, <laughs> January 23rd, 1849, Elizabeth Blackwell was awarded her M.D. by the Medical Institute of Geneva, New York, thus becoming America's first woman doctor. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and, you know, this is, we kind of talked about the woman's uh, woman's right to vote earlier in the show. Um, I just kind of see it's, you know, I don't you know support that, think that at all. But it just seems that it's odd that you know it took so long for women to be able to even vote, and then in 1849 we have America's first woman doctor. I don't know. It just seems that there's such a huge time period um, in between. You know. Hmm. I and, mean, you know, it just seems I, like I, like Elizabeth Blackwell has to be extremely influential in the medical field i mean she she does great things 
um, and, and things like that. But it, it's weird to think. You're right, though. You're you're right, though. I, mm-hmm. I I agree with you. How how you know certain certain aspects of of that time period were were before their times or whatever you might call it. But mm-hmm. uh, you just wish it, it all kind of happened at once. Yeah, it just seems like it, that that sort of thing is. It would make more sense if it was kind of boom, 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 all at the same time and not spread over, you know, the course of 20, 40, 50 years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. January 24th, 1848, <laughs> the California gold rush began with the accidental discovery of the precious metal near Coloma Col- um, during construction of a Suter's sawmill. An announcement by President Polk later in the year caused a national sensation and resulted in the flood of 49ers seeking wealth out in California. That was something that really, really spurred on the uh, kind of the the mass migration across the United States. I mean, there was obviously reasons to move west and, you know, there's a lot more land opportunities for farmers and that sort of thing. But this is... It, it was so many people looking for that get-rich-quick um, kind of wealth that that's what you see all these little towns um, that they sprang up almost overnight just to um, just in support of the mining operations, uh, places for the, the miners to come back. And, you know, just like the miners are out looking to make money, the people, the shop owners, that sort of thing, they're all flocking to this area because... You know, these guys are potentially going to be making quite a bit of money from the gold. Well, there needs to be something out there for them to spend money on. So there's business opportunities for those people. And that was really a a key factor in, you know, the expansion West. Yeah, that and even, you know, kind of on the the opposite side of like the agony that families had to go through to even go that way. I mean, it was so uncharted. It was so just unknown in all of these different you got the weather you have animals um lack of food the heat and and, you know it was just it could have been really bad traveling out that way oh yeah it was just a huge leap of faith mm -hmm. to just even make that trip and to even not even know if you're gonna strike gold because how many people are going out there like (laughs) every day they're either if there's one any gold at all or two everyone's gonna get the gold before you even get there (laughs) Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who lost everything because they got you know sold everything to and spent everything to move out there and then ended mm-hmm. up not finding anything. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> January twenty fifth, nineteen forty seven. Gangster Al Capone, who once controlled organized crime in Chicago, died in Miami at the age of forty eight from syphilis. What a and way I- to go. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I and I've heard from multiple, you know, different uh different sources and you know, I've never, you know, who who knows um really for sure. You know, I've never heard it read a book on Al Capone or anything like that. Um but I've heard before that th- he was extreme late stage syphilis and that he was just totally cuckoo for cocoa puffs nuts. Oh, um, yeah at that time period and you know which is that disease is kind of known for that in late stages but Mm -hmm. uh, i've heard that you know towards the end of his life al capone was totally crazy yeah and more (laughs) crazy than he already is because i've heard he's he was such a ruthless guy 
just ruthless yeah. when it came to business and and the, what he did. Um, mm-hmm. January twenty seventh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> January twenty seventh, nineteen seventy three, um, the U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War ended as North Vietnamese and American represent- representatives signed an agreement in Paris. The U.S. agreed to remove all remaining troops within 60 days, thus ending the longest war in American history. Over 58,000 Americans passed away. 300,000 were wounded. 2,500 were declared missing. A total of 566 prisoners of war had been held by the North Vietnamese during the entirety of the conflict, with 55 reported to have died. Such a... I mean, we talk uh, a lot of times. Our conversation kind of is kind of swung to the different war that Vietnam was when it kind of brought it into mm-hmm. the living rooms of the public, um, and like just reading this entire thing of of the Vietnam War ending. The only thing I could think of is the Vietnam War Memorial in Washington D.C. It's one of those things where it's just uh, you can't even describe it. It's just quiet. It's it's insane to even you just can't put it into words um how much yeah, that war costed I'm, people oh yeah and you, you talked about the, the the memorial i i've been there as well and it's it's an extremely i mean the whole the whole uh the whole area is you know it's quiet and there's you know everyone's showing respect and you know there's as it should be um but especially that area it, extremely somber um you know, it doesn't have the the total death toll like other wars did, but I mean, this one was per- particularly brutal, and especially um, the nature of the war, um, the reasons for entering the war. There's so much controversy around it, and you know, there was all kind of adding, um, you know, adding together to make it you know that much worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much controversy over the entire thing throughout the begin like from the beginning to the end pretty much mhm oh. yeah. january 27th 1756 wolfgang amadeus mozart was born in salzburg austria from the age of 5 through his untimely death at age 35 his uh, musical talent created over 600 compositions including 16 operas 41 symphonies 27 piano and violin concerti, 25 string quartets, and 19 masses, um, as well as many other works that don't necessarily fall into those categories. Sweet. Yeah, that's a ton. <laughs> that is. I Holy mean, cow. such a talent. And, and it doesn't matter where you are or whatever. You know, Mozart is always a name that's dropped when you go through elementary mm-hmm. school or, you know, when you're just getting first subjected to, to music and there's even so many studies and connections to, to how, to how beneficial it is to people listening to that music and growing up with mm-hmm. it or, you know, just brain development or educational wise. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, looking at the, the operas and the symphonies and even the, the, the quartets and, the thing with writing that sort of thing is it's not like someone sitting down and writing a single part of a song. You know, it's not a, a modern band or something like that that are sitting down and each putting together parts for their instrument to a song. It's 
If that person is sitting down and writing everything, every single part for every instrument, you know, multiple parts for every instrument, actually. Yeah. And, you know, and then you, you've, you're, you're, you're visualizing how it's all going to come together and you, you've, which means that you have to know and understand every single instrument that is included. I mean, it, that takes an enormous amount of knowledge, work and knowledge to be able to do that. Most definitely. <laughs> Dang. All right. So January 29th, 1919, the 18th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which was the Prohibition Amendment, was ratified for nearly 14 years until December 5th of 1933. The manufacture, transportation, and sale of all alcoholic beverages were illegal in the United States. The amendment had the unexpected result of causing enormous growth of organized crime, which provided bootleg liquor to thirsty Americans. Man, talk about a lot of controversy over this, too. I mean, like, I don't know. It, it was controversy for the day, but it, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, it, just, it just brought around a different, a different kind of society. Oh, yeah. And, and you, this is kind of a, a, a classic example of, you know, some sort of regulation put into place that, you know, okay, well, 18th Amendment, you know, it'll better society. We'll, we'll outlaw alcohol and it'll make the society um, better. And <laughs> kind of not exactly work that way. No, it you know, with the, the birth of the organized crime and all of the the criminal activities that went along with it, you know, not just the, the manufacturer. There was a huge, um, there was a huge almost industry around the, the transportation of, of you oh, know, yeah. how, to, how to hide it. Yep, um, ba- like back and forth from Canada. Oh, yeah, that or, you know, even across just state lines and, you know, even domestic. It was just... <laughs> One of those things that just totally backfired. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, um, I know. And, and it's uh, it was such a big racket for those kind of things. Speakeasies. Oh, yes. Oh. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things, you know, high risk, high reward kind of deals, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> well, we, can, we can skip to the last date. Uh, we can skip to the last uh, yes. date. Yep. That's what I was thinking as well. January 31st, 1919. Jackie Robinson was born in Cairo, Georgia. He was, of course, the first African-American to play professional baseball. He played for the Brooklyn Dodgers from 1947 to 1956 and was chosen as the National League's most valuable player in 1949. Um, He was also elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1962. Jackie Robinson's story is so amazing. If you ever get the chance, whether it be Ben or whoever is listening to the show, go out and check out the uh, the movie 42. Oh, yeah. It's a fantastic movie. Yes. I'm so glad that we actually found a movie that we both, wa- both watched and could talk about. <laughs> but it's so good. I mean, it starts from you know the beginning of, of Jackie Robinson's dream for baseball, like the, the heartaches... Um, you know, and the pressures that he had to face throughout this entire thing, not even just him, but his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not like, it's not like it was just as simple as he wasn't allowed to. And then, you know, it, miraculously they made an exception and then, okay, it's all good. Oh, it was, I mean, 
him and his family went through hell just, you know, to make that hat, to make his dream happen. Yes. Um, you know, as with many other, you know, many other, uh, cases, but, uh, this particular one is the way it was portrayed in, you know, in, in movie, well, the movie. And it's, it's just a, it's just a good one to go check out and learn about. Exactly. I, I totally agree. And, and I think, you know, a good, a good place to wrap it up is on Jackie Robinson because mm-hmm. it's just like, uh, you know, throughout this time and it was so prominent baseball was, it was America's pastime. That's what it was. It was America's pastime. Mm-hmm. And the way that Jackie Robinson changed the game was amazing. Yeah. And, you know, especially not, you know, not only was, uh, not only was he just the, you know, the first African American to play professional baseball, but it, he was good. Really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not, like, <laughs> it's not like he just made a name for, for himself just because of what he did, but it was also because he was really stinking good and he deserved <laughs> to, you know, deserve to be there and deserve to be into the baseball hall of fame. Yep. Most definitely. <laughs> Anyway, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us here at Young Nostalgia this week as we continue our journey through retro pop culture. As always, if you enjoy the show, leave a kind review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen. Check us out on Podbean, youngnostalgia.podbean.com. You'll find our entire feed of our shows right there. Got a future topic or you'd like to be a guest with Ben and I, uh, give us an email at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com. We wish uh, both, everyone out there the best of luck and nothing but good fortune for 2018. We thank you so much for sticking with us. Um, you know, it's almost coming up on a year now that we've been doing this, minus a couple months since we had to take mm-hmm. that break since I moved. But it's coming up on a year that the uh, the show has been live, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it has. It's going to be, we're going to have to plan something. Uh, we're going to have to plan a fun show on the anniversary episode. I agree. We we could we could do a Young Nostalgia on Young Nostalgia. Well, back on April 2nd, <laughs> this is what happened. Pretty soon, we're going to be showing up in our own This Month in History. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, hey, uh, on this date, we did this show. Oh, man. Anyway, <laughs> anything else, big guy? Nope. Nope, we went a little bit long, but you know, it's got the talking and it's good to good to be back. We took the week, you know, holiday off, so. Yeah, it's, it's definitely good to be back and and, and uh, we're looking forward to next few episodes. Um, we'll shorten it down a little bit so we don't talk talk yeah. you guys ear off too much, but anyway, as we always say here on Young Nostalgia. Keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. Take care everybody. <laughs>